Right, hello and welcome to another episode of the Long Wall Football Podcast, a weekly podcast by two brothers about all things football in Portugal. You listen to myself, Albert, and this week we are going to attempt something that I have only attempted in once before, and that is to do a solo podcast because the very last minute we had a few mix-ups which mean I'm only available to record today. But we still wanted to try and put something out because it's been such a big week of Premier League action. Now earlier in the week we did a Jornada 30 preview article on the Portugal.net website. In that article I declared it officially the business end of the season with five games to go where titles will be decided the battle for Europe will be won and lost and the relegation battle of course uh, will be concluded so that's pretty much how not just this episode but probably the rest of the episodes for the rest of the season is going to be divided up into those three sections and with plenty of action uh, this weekend there's going to be loads to talk about but before we get stuck into that we should just say quickly a quick reminder that if you've enjoyed the show uh, if you if you've enjoyed listening to the show over the last few weeks and you want to support us, you can do so by leaving us a little review on Apple Podcasts or a star rating on Spotify. You could share the podcast on Twitter or with a friend that you think might enjoy it. And of course, uh, if you've missed our big announcement, and I'm not sure how you could have, as I'm sorry, we have been banging on about it a little bit, but of course we have our brand new Patreon page where you can become a long ball football so so for just one pound a month uh we've been having a lot of fun on the patreon we have been doing uh, a weekly predictions league where everyone's been getting involved leaving their predictions for the weekend and we give people points based on how much they get correct uh, and we're absolutely delighted because when we started the patreon just a couple of weeks ago we had a very very ambitious target of 20 patreon before the end of the season well we absolutely smashed through that target in 10 days we had 20 patreons so i want to say a huge thank you to everyone who signed up and who wants to help us get to 30 before the end of the season let's do it well without any further ado let's get straight into the action from this week and start at the top of the table with the title race because it was another win for benfica but another game where they were made to wait and be patient for a result I said after they lost to Shavs just a couple of weeks ago that the next two games were going to be two of the most important games of their season. The two games before they played Braga, getting wins in these games was vital to keeping their season on track because they did not want to be in a position where dropping points against Braga would see them drop into second place. Now, they've won both of those games. Of course, most recently this weekend, a 2-0 win away. Gilverson, a really entertaining game for the neutral, I thought much more open than you might have expected. Gilverson had their own chances, but Benfica were very patient and got the goals they needed to get over the line. Now, I think I see Benfica a bit differently from a lot of people at the moment, but I thought it was a really good performance, all things considered. Of course, it wasn't perfect. And it wasn't like those supremely confident performances that we were used to seeing at the beginning of the season. But it's important to remember that this is a team under pressure. This is a team trying to get themselves out of a rut. Things are not going their way like they were earlier in the season. And I think it showed real determination 
and positivity to win this game. They were constantly trying to get forward. They were constantly trying to make chances. And the word that came into my mind while I was watching this game was actually bravery. I thought the players showed real bravery in this performance because we know it's very easy to try and make things happen when you're in good form. When you're in bad form, though, your instinct is to shrink into your shell a little bit, play a little bit more reserved football, but to continue to try and make things happen, even when you're not in good form, in my opinion, takes a lot of courage. And they did that all game. It didn't always come off. I think uh, they were caught offside more times than they should have been. It wasn't always fluid going forward. There were a few times when the attacks broke down, but they kept at it. They kept playing positive football. They were determined to make chances and they were rewarded for that positivity with two goals that got them the win. Now, both goals came in the second half. Uh, Shaquinho, the substitute, who came on, and uh, it must have been almost his first touch of the ball with the header that got a goal. Great header, and I think a perfect example of what I was saying, whereby, you know, sticking to that attacking football paid off because it was just that one attack where the defender wasn't in the right position or it was the player coming in from midfield that got the chance uh, and they got the goal. But of course, there was a second goal via a penalty. There was a bit of controversy around this penalty. Um, I was watching the game on UK TV, BT Sport, and they showed the replay for the penalty over and over again while it was checked by VAR to the point where I didn't even know what I was looking at anymore. I didn't even know what to make of the decision. There were times when it looked like it was the Benfica player who actually handballed it. There were other times when it looked like the Gilles Vicente player who handballed it. So it was quite confusing. But alas, the penalty was given and it was well converted by Grimaldo. We wouldn't expect any less. It, it's funny because it's not often a team loses 2-0 as Gilles Vicente did. And the losing goalkeeper is man of the match. But for me... Andrew, the Gilvesson goalkeeper, was exactly that. The man of the match and the best player on the pitch, especially in the first half. It was two incredible saves from the young Brazilian goalkeeper to keep it at 0-0 in that first half. I think, in my opinion, he's showing himself to be one of the best goalkeepers in the league and destined for a move to a bigger club. Gilvesson themselves, I thought, actually had a decent game, especially in that first half where... It was a very open game and they had a lot of joy on the counter-attack and some good chances. I think they had four shots on target, at least in that first half alone. I sensed, though, at times that they were a little bit unsure what to do when they got into that final third. They did really well to break from their own from their own box, from their own half, but it was just that moment when they would perhaps have a three-on-three three, uh, and they would get into that final third and just not quite know how to convert that chance, how to turn it into a killer opportunity. But they did pretty well to make half chances. They they knew that Benfica would be vulnerable at the back. They looked to exploit that. Uh, and they uh, perhaps might feel a little bit aggrieved, at least not to get a goal out of the game. But in my opinion, the end result, a 2-0 win for Benfica, was the deserved result. Now, from my opinion, the only talking point that I had from Benfica's perspective after the game was about the striker, Gonzalo Ramos, because we all know he's not been in the best form uh, of late. In fact, I don't think he's scored in, in six games. So he's in something of a, a dry spell in front of goal. And the last few games we've seen were just bring on Peter Moussa. And you know what? 
I questioned the Peter Musa move when he was signed by Benfica from Bovich that I thought this guy's not going to play. I didn't see him as an upgrade on some of the strikers that they already have that they were looking to move on. But credit to him because last couple of games when he's come on off the bench, I thought he's looked very good. And in fact, I think it's two games in a row now that he's come off the bench and scored a goal that, that was then offside. Um, so he, he's getting closer and perhaps, you know, you have to ask the question, when is Roger Strick going to make the decision to start him? Because perhaps if he's given 90 minutes, then he'll have more than one opportunity and he'll actually convert some chances into goals because he's looked very good for me when he's come off. So a very good win for Benfica in this game. The only question mark for me about the striker, whether Moose should be starting the game or whether he will start the next game. But overall, my impression from this game was that Benfica had done very well to drag themselves out of this rut that they're in, to keep playing positive football. And with just four games left of the season, they're in a great position because it now no longer matters what happens in this Braga game. They can lose that Braga game. And as long as they win the rest of their games for the rest of the season against the smaller sides, they will still win the league. So credit where it's due for me because... Even though they've had such an incredible season, they found themselves in a difficult spell, but they've worked really hard to get themselves out of it, and they've put themselves in a great position for those last few games of the season. Well, let's move on to Porto then, because of course Porto are the team chasing Benfica. They still have hopes that they can close that four-point gap, uh, and before this weekend, there were five games left to play. The first of those five was the Derby de Invicta, Porto versus Boavista, the Porto derby, one of my favourite games in the Portuguese calendar. I mentioned in our article on Portugal.net that perhaps the golfing quality between these two teams has taken a little bit of the edge of this derby because it's not so highly contested anymore. Porto obviously winning most of the games, but there's still a lot of fight in this Boavista team and they really got themselves up for this derby. That's what really impressed me about this game. They made Porto wait until the second half for the breakthrough when it was a Mediterranean penalty that made it 1-0. But not that long afterwards, even Marcano with the red card shortly afterwards when Boavista running through on the counter-attack, they're one-on-one on goal and even Marcano has to make the decision to take his man out, the last man outside the box. And of course, it was a straight red card that led to a very frantic last 15 minutes of the game where Boavista so nearly got back into it. With 11 men on the field, I think Porto were the better team. But that red card really changed things. And I think Boavista probably will come out of this game disappointed not to at least get a point. Which is a very impressive thing to say, considering before the game, I think most people have predicted a, a very comfortable Porto win. Now, Porto haven't looked at their best in recent weeks. And I think we definitely saw a lack of fluidity from them in this game. And I'm talking about from an attacking point of view, you know, linking up players linking up together, creating those attacking chances. I don't remember many killer chances, especially in the first half of this game. They're not making those killer chances in the way that teams like Braga and Benfica have been this season. But that said, they were very solid. So while the first half was pretty uneventful, I thought they never looked in any really trouble. The penalty itself is a stonewall penalty. I think Boavista will be disappointed with that. The defender gives away a very clear penalty. Uh, I don't think anyone could argue with that. And, you know, if it wasn't for the red card that came later, he probably could have seen the game up quite comfortably. That red card, as I mentioned, even Marcano taking out his his man, last man, threw on goal, one-on-one. 
he makes the decision he can make the foul just outside the box he's not going to give away a penalty he takes the red card and he keeps the scoreline down it's a controversial opinion but do you know what if I was playing and that was someone on my team I would want them to make the same decision and I would expect if I was playing against a team I would expect the defender to do the same thing I think it's a part of football I think he knew what he was doing and he accepted the punishment and I think it was good game management but Bovista can't be too disappointed because obviously maybe they would have wanted a penalty maybe they would have wanted the one-on-one -on -one chance but with 10 men with Porto having 10 men I thought Bovista really dominated that last 15 minutes of the game and I think they can be disappointed because there were three or four very good chances very very good chances to equalize the game in the last 10 minutes alone now I appreciate that in terms of the league table they've not really got anything to play for but this is a Porto derby and the opportunity to get a draw in the Dragao is massive they were definitely up for it and I think you have to say that one of those chances has to go in but Porto managed to hold on and it's a very important 1-0 win for them that keeps them at pace with Benfica at the top of the table well, look, there is one other team still technically in the title race, a team arguably be playing the best football in the league at the moment. In my opinion, the team who are most comfortably winning their easy games, and that is, of course, Braga, who got a great 4-1 win over Porto Mlins at home this weekend. Another excellent performance where they were comfortably the better team. It was four goals from four different goal scorers, Abel Ruiz, Luis Medeiros, Sikun Yakate, and Ricardo Horta that got them the win. Now, I'm not sure if this is controversial, but in my opinion, I think they're probably the best team in the league on current form. Benfica are winning games, but they're having to grind them out. Porto, same thing, winning games, but they're not playing with the same fluidity. Uh, they're not creating the same amount of killer chances that I think Braga are creating at the moment. Now, obviously, there's a bigger gap between Braga and Benfica is currently a six-point gap, but big game coming up this weekend. Braga are going to play Benfica. If they win that game, they'll reduce it to three. Even then, of course, it's a big ask for Braga to come out of nowhere, really, and take the title from either Benfica or Porto. So I think that's probably a little bit too far-fetched. But it's not been as a possibility that you know Porto could slip up and ben and Braga could take advantage of that to finish in an automatic Champions League spot. I mean top three third would be a champions league uh knockout qualification place which would be a little bit tricky we've seen benfica slip up in that qualification campaign before the champions league group stage second place would go straight into the group stage that would be massive so i think they're coming into form at just the right time it's funny when i was preparing for this show i had written down a question for barney maybe i'll just ask it to the listeners but the Braga go into this game against benfica as favorites I think it's a fascinating question because for me they really are in great form i don't think i would quite put them as favorites in the game against benfica because we just know the quality that benfica have got they've got two wins on the bounce and i think they will be now turning a corner mentally and be better prepared for that game against braga either way that is going to be an absolutely fascinating game well anyway back to this braga game some great individual performances uh, like I mentioned, those goal scorers, Abel Ruiz, Louis Medeiros, Ricardo Orta, big performances all over the pitch. But one player that I wanted to pick out uh, was the young centre-back, Sikun Yakate. Um, a comparison with David Carmo 
you know, in, on the one hand, I don't want to make it because it's a cheap one, but I don't think it's invalid. You know, a young left-footed centre-back, he was obviously the Karma replacement. But in many ways, I think he's come in and he's done even better than Carmo did. I think it's worth remembering that Secret Carter has now played more than 50% of Barabia's games, which means his option to buy from his loan spell has now become obligatory. They're going to sign him for just 1.8 million euros. That is incredible for a player that, in my opinion, is one of the best defenders in this league. Such a young man as well for his age. I think his value, honestly, is 10 or even 15 times that 1.8 million euros that they're going to play for him. So I think it's another excellent bit of scouting from Braga. If you've not seen the highlights, it's a wonderful, wonderful header that he's scored uh, in this game. And he's put in a number of brilliant performances this season. So if you've not paid attention to him, that Benfica game coming up this weekend, it's going to be on all the TV channels. It's going to be on UK TV. I'm sure it's going to be on US TV as well. So keep an eye out for Sikhan Yukate. I think he's going to play a big part in that game and as always we should just make uh, a comment for the other team involved in the game Portsmouth oh I'm really struggling with Portsmouth at the moment I'm really not enjoying watching them I think they're playing some of the worst football in the league but they've ground out a couple of results recently they've had two wins in their last few games they've solidified their safety for another year um they're very having very uninspiring seasons though for me this season and last season have been similar. It's all just been about getting enough points on the board to survive. They've not been playing great football. There's not been very memorable games. I thought they were very, very poor in this game. Defensively, they're all over the place. If you do watch the highlights, keep an eye out for Braga's fourth goal. There's a, a comedy of errors from Porto Menendez in the defending. Uh, two players at one point run into each other and knock each other over. It's a calamitous, really. Um, I can't find very many positives. The only positive that I've got is that with the amount of the poor defending that they're doing, they're taking on a lot of shots and we're seeing uh, a lot of their goalkeeper, uh, who in my opinion is a really, really interesting goalkeeper to watch. So <laughs> we're seeing them take on a lot of shots uh, and it can be quite entertaining to watch, although I'm sure Portsmouth fans is for all the wrong reasons. let's get into the race for Europe and unfortunately for sporting fans that does start with them seeing as sporting are no longer part of the title race conversation but they got a very good 2-0 win over Family Cow which guarantees them fourth place and Europa League football which in the grand scheme of things is still a very good level for sporting to be playing at despite the obvious Champions League and league title ambitions that they would have had realistically that they've got to let go of those this season look forward to next season playing in the Europa League and rebuilding the squad a little bit for another title challenge now before the game I thought Family Cal could have caused an upset here given the form that they've been on but Sporting were the better team and played pretty well and deserved the win in my opinion Marcus Edwards I thought particularly a name that we've mentioned so often on this podcast had a good game after if we're being honest, perhaps not his best patch of form where he's been a little bit indecisive. Perhaps his decision-making has not been quite the best. He had a great game in this match, creating a number of good chances. Obviously, the first goal comes from him. It's his assist. He does a great signature run down the right-hand side, gets to the byline and cuts a ball back for Marita to finish. 
and of course he sets up a good chance for Pedro Gonzalez later in the first half. Uh, it's also his shot that led to the second goal. So a very pleasing performance from him in this game. He really showed what he can do. Uh, and I have to say, I really like Morita and Umgart in midfield. I think that that pairing has been a little bit underrated this season, not least because Amarim hasn't always played them together. We know he's brought Pedro Gonzalez back into midfield a few times. But in this game, I thought they really showed how effective they can be as a pairing in midfield. They are relentless at winning the ball back in midfield. You will never dominate the midfield in a game against Sporting when those two are playing and they are playing in good form. I wonder whether had Sporting as a team, if their form had been better this season and their league position had been better, I wonder whether they would benefit, their reputation would have benefited because people would be looking at them in a more positive way. Uh, but that said, I think every time you watch those two play together, they, they play really, really good as a pairing. Now, obviously, Family Cow, a team in great form. We've spoken about that more and more in the latter part of the season for the form that they've put together. I think they would have looked at this as an opportunity to cause an upset and move up in the table. They did get a goal out of the game. An, old, an own goal. I did find it quite amusing to see uh, Jean de Cadiz, the striker who scored three in his last three games. Uh, he was almost fuming after the own goal because the ball was was destined for his tapping uh, and uh, Coates just takes it off him. He was <laughs> he was walking away from the goal with the ball absolutely fuming. I think that type of tapping is his bread and butter and he really wanted the goal. But I think on the whole, family Carroll were decent. They were beaten by a better team on the day and they can't have too many complaints about the result. Well, next let's talk about Aruka. Of course, a team, another team that we've spoken about an awful lot this season, firmly in the hunt for Europa Conference League football. Before this match, this is an incredible statistic. They hadn't lost a game to a team outside of the top four since November 2022. The team that beat them on that occasion, who was it? Rio Ave, who they played this weekend. And Rio Ave did it again. They beat them 1-0 in a result that will be a very big blow for Aruka. Now, I mentioned that with our, with our Patreon, we run a weekly prediction league and every single person predicted an Aruka win this week. Such is the good form that they've been on. Now, I had a feeling that this result was coming and that is for one main reason. Joao Basso. They lost their captain and their best player in their last game. And I think it's a, a, an injury that's really going to affect them in the latter part of this season. Not just defensively in this game, but as a team, they just looked a little bit less confident. And I think Rio have put on a very good performance to get a deserved three points. Ada Boadena, the goalkeeper, saved another penalty. Can you believe it? For the third straight game, this guy has saved penalties. The Uruguayan goalkeeper, in my opinion, the best goalkeeper in the league on current form. He played his part, um, but he wasn't able to stop Rio Ave getting their goal. They had other good chances to score Rio Ave, but in the end, it was just the one goal that was enough. And I think they deserved it. I think it's important also to remember that Rio Ave hadn't won a game for five matches before this. So this is actually a very big result for them. Naturally, before the game, we were focusing on Aruka and their battle for Europe. But for Rio Ave, this was also a big game. They didn't let the missed penalty get to them. 
because they were the better team in the first half and perhaps the penalty going in would have been what they deserved but it was a great save they kept pushing in the second half and they got a goal through Paolo Vitor cutting in off the left hand side and firing in a right footed shot low into the bottom corner they should have scored a bit earlier as well there was a great chance when they float a ball into the back post a rough player heads it across goal and Gugu is there he's almost got a tap into an open net but he just can't make contact with the ball in the end they have to settle for one goal despite the penalty miss and a host of other good chances but nonetheless Rio Ave will be absolutely delighted with this result and I think it's a result that they deserve. Aruka, I think it's going to be really interesting to see their next couple of games without Jarabasso. He is such an influence on them. Obviously, we still have Arabo Alenia in goal, uh, who played his part with the penalty save. But they were just lacking that little something in this game. If they can get that back, if they can get a win or two more in these last four games of the season, I think that they will secure that fifth spot and what an achievement that will be for the boys in yellow. All right, well, let's head down further in the table. And, well, 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 it was just last week that we were saying they were dead and buried. Well, this week they may just be keeping their hopes alive or are they just prolonging the inevitable? I am, of course, talking about Passos de Ferreira. Credit to them. This weekend they got a very well-deserved 2-1 win away from home against Vizela to reduce the gap between themselves and Maritimo. And of course, that coveted relegation playoff spot, possibly the only way any team in the bottom three is going to survive. They reduced the gap to that playoff spot to just two points. They showed signs of their worst self in this game. They can be self-destructive. They can make silly defensive mistakes. They showed signs of that in this game. But overall, they played a very, very good game. And you know, it's always lovely to see a goal from the absolute legend that is Nico Gaitan, all still rolling back the years for Passa to Ferreira, and it was a second goal from Banfica Loni, Paolo Bernardo, which got them three points, a very good win, which gives them some much-needed hope. Interestingly, to look at this game from Vizela's perspective, because they're also fighting for Europe, and I think this would be a big blow for them. They have their own outside hopes for that, that fifth spot. Obviously, they're a little bit behind now, but if you're going to climb the table at this crucial moment of the season, then you're going to have to win games like this. They will look at results elsewhere in the league with Aruka and Famalicao losing. And I think they will probably see this as a missed opportunity to have, to have climbed the table. Perhaps they can say goodbye to their hopes of playing in Europe. But Passos with this win, well, they've given themselves an outside chance of survival. Elsewhere in the relegation battle, Maritimo... We're taking on Vittoria at exactly the right time, I thought. Vittoria were without a win in six games. Now, Maritimo had recently just closed the gap on Estoril and were showing a bit of fight in the relegation battle, but they suffered a really damaging last-minute loss to Famalicao last weekend. And this week, it was another disappointing 2-1 loss at home against Vittoria. Last week was a massive missed opportunity after going two week, two goals ahead and losing the game and I think you have to say that this week it felt like another massive chance to get some points wasted the first goal for Vittoria to put them 1-0 up is a penalty and I think you have to say it's such a poor penalty to give away in the first half it's lazy defending it's really sloppy defending from Marie tomorrow and again Vittoria's second goal far too easy for me defenders not getting close enough to the ball 
it's a simple through ball which somehow makes its way through to Maritimo defenders and Vittoria capitalises. It's a shame because I think Maritimo created chances of their own. Maybe they just lacked a bit of luck with one or two of those chances not dropping to them. I remember the chance at Bruno Varela just dropping the ball and almost giving the ball away. There was a chance with dropped to Vidigal just a few yards outside of the goal and he just can't convert. He hits it straight into the keeper. You know, they had their opportunities and they were poor at the back. So unfortunately, I, I don't think they can blame anyone but themselves. But that's just the problem with Maritimo. We've seen it too often this season. It's inconsistencies. It's They have enough fight to grind out a result and then they'll just let poor defending let them down and they won't be able to convert their chances. So it's difficult. It was unfortunately a justified result, but you know, it's uh they might have to settle for the relegation playoff spot as a as a lifeline in these next four games. For Vittoria, of course, it's a great win. Like I said, they hadn't won in six games before this, so it was really important for them to start getting some points on the board. They had really got into good form. They'd they'd pulled themselves up to fifth place and then they had a series of kind of injury worries, which I think really damaged their season. Uh, but this game saw the return of Jorge Fernandez at the back and Bruno Varela in goal, and I think it made a real difference. They get their first win in six games, bring themselves up to four points behind Aruka, and I think they can get back now with some of those players coming back from injury. They can get back to putting some real pressure on Estoril uh, in fifth place. Well, look, finally, the last game I want to touch on Estoril 3, Santa Clara now. It will come as no surprise to anyone that Santa Clara lost a game of football. Uh, and this week's grateful recipients of three points were, of course, Estoril, who themselves uh, are trying to survive uh, and not getting dragged into the regulation battle. To be fair, it's one thing to have an easy game and another thing to actually win it, which they did so very convincingly. 3-0, thoroughly deserved. Some good performances from Estoril Tiago Gouveia looked very good Geraldas looked good up in midfield Marquez up front looked good and they looked confident and like they knew they were going to win the game but let's be honest any team coming up against Santa Clara at this stage of the season knows that they're in for three points I'm not sure if it's even worth another rant about Santa Clara but what is happening at that club is unforgivable there is no fight there is no desire from this team. Every single person in that team, the players and the management, they are just waiting to be relegated, as they have been for the last five or six games. I think it's an absolute disgrace. And I think their fans have every right to be very disappointed at the situation at Fablico. Well, look, that brings us to the end of this episode. A slightly strange one with just me. I hope you've still enjoyed it uh, a little bit. And of course, I'm not going to let the fact that it's just me get in the way of my favourite part of the show, which is to end things with a Game of the Week recommendation for you to watch in the Premier League. And now, of course, there is a huge game this weekend. Saturday, the 6th of May, 8.30pm UK and Portugal time. Clear your schedules. Benfica versus Braga. An absolutely huge game in the race. For the title of course Benfica favorites for the title but a win or a draw for Braga would really open up this title race once again so we cannot stress just how important a game that is for 
the title race. Well, of course, we always like to suggest some other games for you to watch, some more niche games. If, like us, you enjoy all aspects of Premier League of Football, I think a very interesting game to watch would be the one before that, actually, the 6pm kickoff on the Saturday, Boa Vista versus Estoril. Estoril will want another win to make their safety really secure. Boa Vista coming off the back of a good performance in the Porto derby. I think that could be a very exciting game with two teams coming into good form. And on Sunday, do you know, I will pick out a little northern derby. Vittoria de Guimaraes versus Vizela, 6pm on Sunday. I think that's two teams uh, fighting for Europe, two local teams. Hopefully that will bring a little bit of edge to the game and two teams that I really enjoy watching. So plenty of good football for you to watch this weekend as always. Well, look, that does bring us to the end of the show. As I said at the top of the show, if you've been enjoying listening recently and you want to support us, a review on Apple Podcasts or some kind of rating on Spotify would be amazing. Sharing the podcast on Twitter, sharing the show with your friends, all that type of stuff uh, is greatly appreciated. And do check out our Patreon if you're interested in becoming a long ball football socio. But that just leaves me to say thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week.